Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. So we're just going to take off and pray that the Lord will help us. I want to speak to our men, but I don't want to exclude our ladies in this service. But I, I, and so I, I don't want you to think that this is just so strictly gender specific that you, you've just kind of shown showed up today for nothing but uh, so I, I want you to apply these principles to your life and uh, but I do I do feel a, just a burning in my heart to talk to specifically uh, I know it's Father's Day but I want to speak to all of the men um, I, and we say this every year both at Mother's Day and Father's Day there are some uh, that are not biologically parents but you certainly are influencers and and have had your hand in the lives of many people and the fingerprint and uh, um, heart print of your life certainly is evident in the lives of children around you. And so uh, so I want, with that, I want to speak to everybody. If you will join me in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, and uh, we're going to begin verse number 1, and just keep your Bibles open. And uh, I have a few scriptures that I want to refer to here as we go. And pray that the Lord will just touch us together, and I know that he will. The Bible says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. And then here's a comma that just changes the landscape of everything. He was a captain of the host of the king of Syria, a great man with his master. He was honorable. And the Lord had even touched his life and helped deliver Syria. A mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And um, if you know anything about leprosy, certainly in the setting of scripture, then we know that uh, it was a very devastating thing. It was a game-changing title. So this morning, we uh, I want to intentionally include everybody, but I do want to challenge every man in this church. And I'm going to ask you, if you will, to just make a journey with me. I'm, I'm going to beg you not to just sit and listen. I want you to get on board and let's make a journey together. I want to preach about the benefits that we receive um, just by coming into the presence of the Lord, whether that is prayer or is his word or a corporate setting like we have today. There's something that will happen today just because you came, just because you came. And uh, I think we have to understand that, that, that even though changes can be often subtle, at the end of the day or in time, those subtle changes are the very things that have brought us to where we are today. Something happens. Something is happening right now that moves us closer in every way of our knowledge and our understanding of the Lord. I have uh, been around church my whole life. I have certainly lived for the Lord the vast majority of my life in the ministry for 33 years plus. And uh, I, I don't state those credentials as a boast. I state them to make a point that after all of that exposure, I, I am still encouraged whenever I read the word of God and I see something revelatory. And, 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 and I think after all of these years, I, didn't, I had never known that or never been able to see that and now or someone is preaching or someone is exhorting or uh, perhaps a, a testimony or, or something and, and it just 
brings us a reality. I feel like it draws me a little bit closer. It confirms what I feel in my heart. Something moves us closer. I, 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 uh, I was raised in church, but I, I didn't get here with just one service. I, I didn't get here with just one Sunday school teacher or one one Sunday school quarter or a year of that, but just the the over and over and over again, going to be a part of a youth group and going to youth services and and whatever was going on in that Sunday school class or in that youth group or at a youth camp, again and again, something was being placed in my life, almost so subtle that I didn't notice it, but it was it was packing something down into the soil of my heart. And uh, I'm thankful that I have just continued to stay a part of what God is doing. I want to speak about primarily today a man by the name of Naaman. Uh, Many of you may know his story. He was rich. He was famous. He was powerful. But he had a problem. He had a life-threatening problem that all of his power and all of his influence could not change. It couldn't change the landscape of that at all. His story is introduced to us in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. The king of Aram had a great admiration for Naaman because through him, God had given them victories. At this time, the, the, the raiders had invaded the land of Israel And among the captives was a young girl that had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. We don't even know her name. We know nothing about her. She falls in this long list of nameless and faceless people that were mightily used of God. It was just one statement, one uh, one finger point, one point of attention. And uh, this little girl, young girl, said something that piqued the interest of her mistress. In 2 Kings 5 and 3, the Bible says, speaking of this maid, she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophets that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. It was sort of a casual conversation, if you, if you please. It was a statement that was made as although I think very matter of fact, the scripture takes great effort to speak about the gold and the silver and the garments that Naaman had brought with him as he took them. He, he had heard this word. If, they, if this young girl said, if he could just get there, if he could get uh, to Samaria, there is a prophet that can heal him. And so Naaman did the only thing he knew to do, and that was that he loaded up everything he thought would be a sufficient offering And the scripture talks about those things, the gold, the silver, and the garments that he took with him. And then Naaman makes his way to Samaria and then makes his way to the prophet's house. And so in verse number nine, the scripture says, so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And uh, it was at this point that the story becomes a little bit odd, a little bit strange. Elisha, sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go wash yourself seven times in Jordan. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Naaman became angry, walked away because he didn't want to go to Muddy Jordan. This was not at all the game that he thought would be played. This is not at all the instructions that he thought would come. Before uh, we're too hard on him about that, I I would point out once again that Naaman was not just another guy. He was not the -the run-of-the-mill man. He would be the equivalent to what we may deem a five-star general in our military today. He was a very powerful man, a very influential man, but all of his power and all of his influence wasn't doing him any good against this dreaded disease. All of the trophies, all of the accolades of men, and all of the true accomplishments were just pages of history that now because of one report had all been put on hold. All of his power, all that he could say and do, and all of those that would move at just one gesture now stood in silence. Of course, leprosy at this time was incurable. Perhaps Naaman weighed the doctor's report against all of his past accomplishments and victories in the battlefield. It seemed like by way of size, and it seemed like 
um, by way of threat that he had faced things much, much larger than this in his life. But this diagnosis was going to be the very thing that was his sure ruin. It's as though God were trying to tap him on the shoulder, this great man, attempting to get his attention. Because you see, in his culture, if you were a leper, you were cut off from everyone. You were not allowed to live where everybody else lived. You lived in a leper colony. If you were ever even out in the public, how humiliating this would be that by their very culture and law, that if you were to be passing a stranger, that the law dictated that you would cry out, unclean, unclean, so that people would know to avoid you. And it would be as though you were wearing that sign that announced to the world uh, that, that you were a, a leper. I, I don't know this for sure, but, uh, but it just would appear to me that, uh, that perhaps very few people knew at this moment, at least in time, that Naaman was a leper. I don't know if he kept it hidden beneath his royal robes or beneath the armor that he wore. I'm not at all sure about that. But I only mention that to say this, that, that should serve as a reminder to all of us that although Naaman looked the part and had the robes of royalty or even had the armor of a mighty man, there was something beneath those robes and underneath that armor that was going on that no one would have ever dared dream. And so that underlines the fact, or it should underline the fact for all of us that there is no life without its share of problems. No life. My wife and I today, or this week rather, were talking about a situation unrelated to this church whatsoever. And, and, uh, and, and because we know some of the peril and the throes that this family, particular family, is in, we were just talking to one another and we were, we were agreeing that if you were to just look at this family from a distance, they just look so picturesque. Everything seems right in place. They not only... Uh, they not only have the title, but they look the part, so to speak. And, and, uh, but if, if you only knew that underneath that thin veil of humanity, there were problems and, and perils that just seemed so hard and even at times impossible. And so here was Naaman and all of his pomp and all of his glory and all, not assumed, but all of his legitimate power. But beneath all of that, there was something very large going on. And so no matter who you are, there will always be something to deal with in life, always. So here is Naaman, this, this man who just seemingly has it all together. He has risen to uh, a, a level of rank that very few people in their lifetime would, would ever achieve, a man who had it all together. No one would ever think in their own mind that they could even attain the status that Naaman has attained. But then we look down and we realize that, that God loved this man enough that he just handpicked him. I want to show you something, Naaman. He was not the only leper of his day, that's for sure. He said, I, I want to I show you something. And so God handpicks a young girl, and we don't even, as I mentioned a moment ago, know her by name. The only thing we know is this that she had great faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And she just so courageously stated to her, to, to her mistress, if my Lord could just get to Samaria. She didn't say maybe something may happen. She didn't say, you know, if we crossed our fingers, if we just held out enough hope, if he could just get to the prophet in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. And there was such great faith there. The only thing that we know is that she had great faith in her God. Second Kings 5 and 3, it's not on the screen, but it's just, she said, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. She had not only faith in God, but she had faith in the man of God. And so with great confidence, she said that. There was no hint of a maybe, no hint of a hope so. The prophet that she speaks about is the prophet Elisha. When she spoke, obviously her masters paid attention. So he goes to Elisha. Picture this scene, if you will. Here's a great man going with the expectations of a great healing. He is expecting something dramatic to happen in his life. As a matter of fact, he is so confident that he is not making this trip in vain 
that he is willing to pay for it. And so he takes all kinds of gold and silver and garments with him. It has been said that if you were to combine the weight of the gold, the silver, and the cost of the garments all together, that it would be somewhere around $1 million of our currency today. And so with $1 million, he makes his way to Samaria as a gift, as a reward. Not only that, but can you just imagine what Naaman looked like when he arrived? I mean, this was not some Johnny-come-lately. His chariots had to be absolutely fantastic. Here was a man, a man among men. And so when he drove in, they, they no doubt his chariots were plated with gold and silver, pulled by the finest stallions that money could buy. And so he made a statement wherever he went. They didn't slip into town in the shadows of night, but he come right down Main Street, pulled up to the front house in a cloud of dust. Once again, I'm, I'm just guessing, I'm just using my imagination if you'll allow me. But I kind of picture somewhat that the house he pulled up in front of didn't resemble his house at all. <laughs> if there were some houses in the pen outside, I, I wouldn't imagine that they even dare measured up to the horses that were pulling his chariots. I would imagine he pulled up to a pretty common house and now a five-star general awaits just outside the common home of a lowly man of God. To add insult to injury, Elisha doesn't even come out to meet him. He was not a man used to being ignored. He was not a man accustomed to being overlooked. Uh, Elisha had a servant by the name of Gehazi, and so Elisha, when he found out what was going on, Elisha just sent his servant, his servant Gehazi, and said, tell him to go dip seven times in Jordan's river, and he'll be healed. And so here's Naaman. Can you just imagine standing in his chariot with all of his men looking on? This was a shameful moment, an embarrassing moment. Is this man serious? Has he lost his mind? Does he not know that uh, people would give anything just to have their picture taken with me? I mean, I can't believe he's not running out here. Don't you see all the press? Everybody knows that I'm here. I've come into town, and you don't even think enough about me to even come to the front door. So Naaman did what we would do, I assume. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 11, Naaman was wroth. Naaman got mad. <laughs> yes, he did. He took his ball and he went home. He said, I, 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 I'm mad and he went away and said, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand. Now listen, Naaman has this and we're all guilty of the same thing. You ever heard somebody's name, you've never met them, you already have them pictured and then when you meet them, they don't look anything like it. Not even sure why we went all the effort to even try to imagine what somebody we've never met looked like. Or we play these scenarios out in our mind and so it's obvious because Naaman gives it all away. It's obvious that he has played this out in his mind ever since his maid has now talked to him about Elisha. He has, in his mind, he has just rehearsed how this is going to happen. And he said, I thought he would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place. I mean, he's gonna lay hands on him and recover the leprosy. And, it, and he was just gonna take care of this. He was just gonna come out and he was gonna pray and it was gonna sound just like a preacher's prayer. Don't act like you don't know what that is. And he was gonna strike his hand over this and everything was gonna be well. But this is not happening anything like what he envisioned. Naaman said he thought Elijah was just going to come out, wave his hand, and everything was going to be taken care of. They're going to throw a big party. He's going to, he's going to offer all of this gold and silver and the garments, and Elijah was going to take the money and run, and everybody's going to go on their way. I mean, it just can't get any better than this. I'm going to be healed. Elisha is going to be blessed, and we're all going to go home, but that's not at all how this happened. Naaman is so furious and his pride is wounded, his ego has been bruised. Initially, initially, as we talked about, his problem was leprosy, but, but right now his problem was his ego. Something had gotten larger than, 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 uh, than, than the leprosy. His pride had become a greater enemy than the disease that was gnawing away at his very flesh. He had all this gold and silver and garment, but it's as though Elisha's not even interested enough to come out and even take one peek at it. 
And then again, one more time, in this same story, just, just a few skips away, another nameless, faceless individual speaks eternally. And he said, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? Now, I don't know who this man was. I don't think that he was just a man that had a knee-jerk reaction. I think it had to be a man close enough to name and that he felt comfortable to be able to speak into his life. But he said, now, before you drive all the way back home, don't you need to consider something that you've come, look around. You've brought all of this stuff. And so if he had asked some hard thing of you, you would have gladly done that. And again, I, I just, I'm, I'm thankful for those nameless people in the scripture that, that were willing to be a voice at least for a moment. There must have been something in those words that stirred and checked the heart and the conscience of this man, Naaman. Amen. Now they're going to go down to Jordan River and, and he's going to swallow his pride and he's going to, he's going to take off these, these earthly robes that, designate to one and all who he is and he's going to lay all of that aside and step down to the bank of Jordan's muddy river and he goes down the first time and comes up and he still has leprosy again and again the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time comes up and he still has leprosy. I mean, I know you know this story. I understand that. In my opening comments, I mentioned this to you that, that we don't get all we need the first time we come. I didn't know everything there was to know and I'm not alluding that I am the Bible answer man today but I didn't know all there was to know about this when I started this journey. But I'm gonna tell you that how I have learned has not just been crash courses of just reading my Bible 8, 10, 12 or 14 hours a day but it's just been by going back again and again and again. Amen, I, I was here Wednesday, I was here Wednesday, I, I, and you know what, I decided I'm coming back today. And if God will give me breath, strength, and health, I'm planning to be back here Wednesday because I'm gonna walk out of here and there's still gonna be some unfinished areas of my life, and amen, but I'm, I'm glad that I just kept coming back. Amen, Naaman, if you go down one time and come up the same and then you pack all of your bags and go home, it's still, you're gonna fall miserably short because you've only just approached this one time. I'm preaching and speaking to men today, specifically on this Father's Day, that have made mistakes. You have tried, you have got up. Amen, you have, you have decided, I'm going to do this, and then in a few days found yourself radically off course. And I wanna tell you today, welcome to the club. Amen, I'm not trying to bring the line down. Hear me today. I, I'm not trying to reduce the overall standard, but I say, God, help us that if I miss it today, that I don't just close the Bible and stick it on a shelf, but I wanna be so determined to do this that I just come back again tomorrow. I'm just gonna go down again. Well, I don't know how perplexed Naaman must have been when he come back out, out of the water and he was the same. I don't know how discouraged he may have been the second or third or fourth time, but I would just assume that somebody, somebody in that group, now I'm just out here by myself, I've got no scripture for what I'm about to say, but I'm just assuming somebody in that group when he came back up and they saw the look of discouragement on his face, they said, but he said seven. He meant he said seven. Don't be discouraged because it's just four. Don't be discouraged because it's just five. Amen. Don't be discouraged because it's just six. But just keep coming. I'm reaching out for somebody today that maybe you feel God tugging at your heart and pulling you closer to him than you've ever been. But you look at yourself in the mirror spiritually and you think, you know, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get this. I don't know if I'm ever gonna understand it. I'm, I've not come to this desk to give you a one, two, three formula. I haven't come to this desk today to give you a pill and say if you'll take this three times a day, this will help you. But I have come today to tell you this that if you'll just keep coming back amen if you'll just keep coming back just don't give up amen don't give in don't give in can I, can I tell you 
Can I tell you that Wednesday afternoon when the devil tries to talk you out of coming to church, amen, Wednesday afternoon when the devil throws all kind of obstacles in your way, I want you to hear the voice of this preacher this morning that says, like those around Naaman, just keep coming back. Just walk in again. You're not coming for nothing. You're, you're not investing into a false thing. You're not buying into a pipe dream. We're not building air castles, but you're just gonna get something out of coming back again, coming back again. Amen. Finally, the seventh time, and Naaman is beside himself with joy. He's healed. At this point, he's not, not only healed, <laughs> I think it's important to note that he is a, he is now a believer. He didn't just get his body fixed. He got his spirit fixed. Amen. He is, he is a, a believer. 2 Kings 5 and 15. As he returned now, he's dried himself off. They've loaded everything back up and he returns to the man of God. And, and he and all his company and came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Amen, that's his opening comments. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't drive up to Elijah's front door and say, look at here. Amen, he didn't drive up there and say, look at here. But he drove up there and say, I got one thing that I need to get straight. Now I know that there is no God, amen, but the God of Israel. I'm gonna tell you that he had what we think was a physical experience but really what happened was a spiritual experience. And what I wanna take from that today to tell you is this, that sometimes we think when we come on Sunday or Wednesday, it's just a physical thing. No, no, no. I know that you gotta physically be here, but I'm gonna tell you what takes place is spiritual. There's something happening that you cannot imagine. There's something getting underlined. There's something getting packed into your heart. Something getting driven into your spirit. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. This past Wednesday night, we were so honored to have Pastor Trey Davis with us from Macon, Georgia. Brother Davis had asked me that the day that I asked him if he would speak for us. He said, he said this to me, and I know every preacher in the house will get this. He said this to me. He said, would it be all right if I just teach? Can I just kind of take my time? And so I told him, I said, well, you've already taken the words out of my mouth because I said, what I was gonna tell you this is don't feel obligated to give us a stem winder, just give us some word. Amen. And so Brother Davis walked from that chair to this pulpit on Wednesday night, and if you missed it, do yourself a favor and buy the CD today. Amen, I, I, it, will, it will not be money wasted. I'm gonna tell you, he talked about walking in the spirit. I've lost count of how many times I've heard that general theme talked about. I've lost count how many times I've heard that admonition come my way. But I sat there in that chair and I was thinking, my Lord, my Lord, he's underlining some things in my heart. He is feeding my soul. I said Wednesday when he got through talking, I wasn't blowing smoke. I could have said another hour and listened to all of that. It would have been fine with me if you had just turned back to page one and started all over again. Why? Because every time I went down, when I come up, something was in my heart, in my spirit. I've heard it. I don't want to fold my arms and say, well, I've already heard that. I've already visited that. I already know that. But I'm going to tell you today, the spirit of the Lord underlined some things and confirmed some things. God revealed himself in a special way on this past Wednesday. Amen. I'm glad that I showed up. I'm glad I was here, hallelujah I'm thankful for every Sunday school class that I sat through I'm thankful for every vacation Bible school class that I sat in I'm thankful for every youth service that I sat in I'm thankful for every youth camp I attended, why? because it was another dip down it was showing up and God was putting something in my heart yes <laughs> amen, now if we're going to move to verse number 16 and remember this at the end of verse 15, he said, Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Well, I guess it was a blessing. Take this blessing. No small offering here that's being presented. But in verse number 16, he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, Elisha said, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Now, though, even though Nathan... Uh, even though Naaman urged him, 
Elijah stood his ground. What he was trying to say is you can't buy this. I mean, this is what Simon later would have to learn in the New Testament. You can't, how much does this cost? I want, you can't buy this. You can't, you can't purchase this. What happened here is divine. What happened here is from God. And then there is a rather odd twist to this already strange story in verse 17. So now Naaman is convinced that I cannot give him anything. This man will take nothing from me as a gift. So he says, well, all right. Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant? Give something to me. If you won't take anything from me, I want to take something with me when I go. And here is what he asked for. He said, I would like to be given thy servant two mules burden of earth. For thy servant shall henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. Now remember he said, when he come up out of that water, I realized that there was no other God but the God of Israel. I know, now I know all this other is tomfoolery. And so he said, if you won't take anything from me, I need to take one thing more home with me. Amen, an incredible story. A man who seemingly has everything. Don't forget that the animals that he brought with him were still laden with all of this gold, all of the silver, and all the garments. Amen. But he was missing the most important thing. A story about a man that was about to meet God in some such a unique fashion. I think one of the most incredible parts, this is me, of this story is found and was not that he was healed of leprosy, amen, but I personally think one of the greatest parts of this story, amen, didn't even take place there in that muddy river. I think the most powerful thing that happened that day it happened in the heart of this man. <laughs> he recognized his need of God in his life. And I'm reaching to men this morning that would recognize your need of God. I'm even preaching and reaching today for Holy Ghost-filled men, amen, that would recognize your need of God. You are not so shrewd you can do this by yourself. You're not so strong you can make this with an every now and then show up. You're not so, you're not so with it that you can make it with an every now and then engaging in prayer and worship and the word of God. I'm gonna tell you that something needs to wake up in our heart and say, you know, regardless of my education, regardless of my influence, regardless of what, who I am or what I am, regardless of what I may have, I need God because if I don't have God, I have nothing. Amen, what power, what wealth, what fame, what influence could not do. Just a few moments in the presence of Jehovah was able to take care of. Amen, you see, you don't have to leave the presence of God in chains. Naaman came into town carrying gold and silver and fine garments. I think we would all agree that was precious cargo. But on his return trip, he was gonna be taking something home that looked a whole lot different. It was still the product of the earth, but it wasn't gold and silver. His cargo represented something entirely different. In verse 17, Naaman says, I am just asking you for two mules' burden of earth. Now, what is the connection? I believe the connection is found in Exodus 20 and 24. I believe this connection is found here because this is what the Lord said. We know as Exodus 20 is where we find the reference to the Ten Commandments and God had just spoken to Moses about delivering the people. Amen, God had told them that not to make him gods or make them gods of gold and silver, but he did say in verse number 24, here's what I want you to build me. I want you to build me an altar of earth. Amen, I want you to build me a place where I can meet with my creation. Build me an altar of earth. Amen, and so this was no small thing that Naaman was asking for. He said, I want you to help me. And, and I, I know that we realize that God is God and he could have scooped up sand from anywhere but here is a man who had a powerful experience in Samaria, Samaria and he said, I wanna take a souvenir home with me. I know we've got dirt back at home. I know I can make an altar out of earth at home, but I want some of this earth. I want something that'll bring me back, amen, to a moment of continuity in my life. Amen, it was far more than just dirt to him. Naaman understands that he has all he needs to build an altar when he gets home but he desired to take something from this experience. I wanna pull this into my life. And so he took home something that would bring and, and maintain continuity in his relationship with his maker. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come, but please do not 
dismiss yourself. I'm not through. I'm fully aware of the fact that up to this point, this probably sounds like the strangest Father's Day message that you've ever heard. In many ways, I feel like it's the strangest one I've ever preached. But if God will help me and if you'll stay with me for just a few more minutes, I want to try to pull all of this together and I want to give you something to take home. Not a literal gift this year, but I want to give you something to take home. You see, there's just something that happens to us when we come into the presence of God. Therefore, in all reality, there can be no such thing as a bad sermon. Somebody may stumble in their presentation, but the word of God is the word of God. And if we'll be open to it, we'll pull off a little bit of it and pull it in our hearts. Amen. As I, I've often said, we don't attend church just to get a gold star beside our name. I think there's something being transferred to us when we stand in his presence. Something's being underlined. I want to tell you, I believe in repentance with all my heart. I, I don't know how I could believe in it anymore. But when somebody gets up and starts preaching about repentance and talking about it, I'm going to tell you, it just underlines something in my heart. And I feel like it establishes my steps even further. I believe that we must be baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the the remission of our sin. But I'm gonna tell you, there's nothing that's more encouraging to me than to hear somebody teach on it (laughs) because it just validates something in my heart. Something resonates and I feel like I'll walk out just a little bit richer. I said it a moment ago, but I will repeat that I'm thankful for every Sunday school class I attended. I'm glad I didn't just go one time. And I'm sure there were days that I didn't want to go. I'm thankful for a mother that said, get on. Go on, you're going in. I'm thankful for parents that said, come on, we're going to church. We're going to church. I, I don't want to leave you with the impression that I woke up every morning with a Bible under my arm. I was just a typical kid. And I'm sure there were days that I didn't want to go, but I was so, I'm so grateful today as a 53-year-old man for parents that didn't even give me a choice and said, this is what we're doing. It was never discussed. That's why there was no choice. We just got up and went. I'm thankful for every Bible study that I've ever sat through. I'm thankful for every time I've ever visited and revisited these truths because every time I did, I just kept coming back and the Word of God became more and more established in my heart. I'm going to be honest with you today. I haven't always responded the way I should have. I haven't always done the right thing, and I'm not alone in that confession. Simon Peter wasn't always right, but he was always there. He didn't always have it all together, but he just kept hanging in there somehow. I, like Peter, have made my fair share of mistakes, but I'm so grateful that God has helped me to just keep hanging in there. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that I've been up, but I've been down. There have been days I thought, no problem. And there have been days I didn't think I could do this ever again. Is this all right? But I'm thankful so thankful that I just kept coming back. I'm glad there was somebody on the bank of my muddy Jordan River that said, just one more time. Just just one more time. Just do it one more time. I'm thankful for heroes of the faith that that have gone on before me and I I have thought, you know, if they can live for God all of these years, I I ought to be able to do that because they didn't do it without peril or problem. I, like Peter, have made those mistakes, but you you just get up and you just push on. And because I am still here, it has placed me in a better position to move forward with God. And can I personalize this today and say that because you're still here, 
you are now in a better position to move forward with God. We haven't always got it right. There have been times we turned left and we should have turned right. I can tell you today that I haven't always been the best father or the best husband or the best friend, not even the best pastor. But I just kept coming back. Try again. I made a mistake. I made a bad decision. I made a decision that affected our family. But you know what? We're not just going to pack up and nail boards over the doors. We're just going to try, we're just try this again. We're just going to do it again. We're just try again. We're just going to try it again. Try it again. I want to be here when the doors are open. I want to be here when the doors are open. I may not always be at my best, but I want to be here. I may not always feel that I can sing on key, but I just want to be here. As a matter of fact, I might not even feel a song in my heart, but I might just need to sit down and let somebody else sing to me. I want to be here because I think something's going to happen. Amen. When I can just come to the house of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. There are days that I feel way more spiritual than I do at other days, but I just want to be here. I just want to be there in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm just so thankful for that. A few weeks ago, I was going to attend, I did attend a conference, and I had planned to be there that night. I planned this for weeks, and the day that I got up to go and be down in the service that night, everything under the moon went wrong. It was just a day of running before daylight and just going and going and just couldn't get it all together. And finally, I threw a few clothes in in an overnight bag, and I took off, and I knew, I knew when I left home that I was no way. I, I still had to go to the motel and, and, and get cleaned up and change clothes. I knew I would be late for church. I, I, I don't like to do that, but I thought I just need to be there. I just need to be there. And by the time I got to church, and I'm sure many here can relate to that, by the time I got to church, as, as the old saying says, my shirt tail hadn't even caught up with me. Amen. I, I got there way before my shirt tail got there. I just felt like when I walked in and the service was already going and I, I felt already out of sync and sort of discombobulated with what was going on. And, and there was a part of me on the way to church that said, you know what, I, you're, you're exhausted. Why don't you just go back and just go, go to bed? Why don't you just rest? But I thought, no, I, I need to be here. I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I, the thought crossed my mind, don't even bother. The, the thought crossed my mind to just turn around and go back home. The thought crossed my mind, just stay in the room and get some rest. You need it, you deserve it. But I thought, no, I wanna just go. I wanna go and be there in the service. I went to the service and I sat behind about five or six young men, uh, young ministers, and apparently, I mean, they just, they had had apparently eaten uh, jumping beans for lunch or whatever because every time somebody just even said scat, they jumped up on their feet. And so I spent half a night just looking at the back of their suit coat and there were times I thought, man, I'm not even, I can't even see the preacher. I'm just being way more honest than you came to church to prepare for today, but I'm sorry, but but I thought, oh, I don't even know. But then I got to thinking, no, I wanna be here. I just wanna be here. If I can't see the preacher, if I had to buy the CD, if I had to buy the DVD, I need to be here because there's just something about showing up. Amen, there's just something about being there. I'm gonna tell you, if you're running late for church, keep driving. Don't let the devil turn you, talk you out of it. Amen. If you feel like you're only going to get here for the last few minutes, come on in anyway. Come on in anyway because something's going to get in you. Something's going to get in you. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to share with you my inspiration for having this attitude. I didn't find this inspiration in me. I found it in someone else. And as you listen along, you may recognize him. He was there when Jesus said, follow me. He was no prize, but he was there. When Jesus came to heal his mother-in-law, he was there. When they fished all night and caught nothing, and Jesus come along and said, cast your net on the other side. He doubted the outcome, but he was there. When the young girl was raised from the dead, he may not have been able to even believe what was about to happen, but he was there. 
When Jesus came walking on the water, he got out of the boat. He soon doubted and started to sink, but he was there. He was there at the Sermon on the Mount. He was no humble peacemaker, but he was there. He was there at the feeding of the multitude. He had little faith, but he was there. He was there at the revelation of the Messiah. He became proud, but he was there. He was there at the transfiguration. He spoke out of turn, but he was there. He was at the Last Supper. He wasn't willing to wash anybody's feet, but he was there. He was there in the garden at prayer time. He fell asleep, but he was there. He was there when they came for Jesus. He used a sword as he should not have, but he was there. He was there at Jesus' trial. He lied, denied, and later even cried, but he was there. He was there at the cross. The scripture says he followed at a distance, but he was there. He was there when Mary told him about the resurrection. He was surprised, but he was there. He was there at Galilee when Jesus appeared to hurt him with his love and question his love for him three times, but he was there. He was there at the commission and the ascension. He didn't really understand what was going on, but he was there. <laughs> he was there at Pentecost. He was drunk with joy and power, but praise God, he was there. Simon Peter just kept showing up. He just kept pushing forward. He just kept doing the right. He just kept doing right as he knew how. At times he erred. At times he was distant when he should have been close. At times he was asleep when he should have been awake. But he was there. I'm reaching for some men today to tell you I'm not trying to highlight imperfection and I am not wanting to underscore carnality. But I'm going to tell you today that if you feel like you're asleep, amen, if you can just be there, if you feel like you're making the wrong decision here or there, just come on and be here because just something about being there because Peter would not be denied. He was ill-tempered. He was hard to understand. At times had to be rebuked by the Lord himself. But I'm gonna tell you, every time he was there, it kept pushing him in a better position, in a better position till one day the Lord said, I know who I'm gonna give my keys to. I'm gonna give it. How did it happen? It just happened because Simon said, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. Name and how you gonna get what you need. Keep getting up, sir. Keep getting up, sir. Keep getting up, sir. Keep getting up, sir. And so I tell you today, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. I'm reaching for you today. Amen, I'm calling on you, me, and let's stand together to show up. I'm not just asking you to be a warm body, but I'm asking you, let's come together when these doors are open with a spirit of expectation. Amen, we, like Naaman, may come with great expectations. We may come with great needs, but if we can submit ourselves to the hand of God, we'll get more than a physical healing. I wanna leave here. Here's, here's my closing comment. I wanna leave here every Sunday and every Wednesday like Naaman left. Naaman left carrying a little piece of the altar with him. I wanna leave here every Sunday, every Wednesday or whatever other times that we come together. I wanna leave here with a little more that I can take home and build an altar in my house, build an altar in my life, something that will keep continuity between God and I. Naaman could have gone back once he received his healing, that's for sure. He could have just gotten out of that old river. I mean, he had not been treated with a lot of hospitality, that's for sure. And so he could have just dried himself off, rejoiced in his healing and went on his way. But when he went back to a place he had been shamed, when he went back to a place where his ego was bruised, when he went back and received instruction that made him mad, Oh yeah, but he went back. And when he went back, there was something that happened when, Nate, when Elisha said, I don't want what you have. Something awakened in him. Then if I can't leave anything with you, let me take something with me. Amen, boys, get out your shovels. I just need to take some of this with me and I'm gonna build me an altar. 
Amen, I'm gonna build me an altar. I'm gonna tell you today, men, fathers, amen, we need to be committed to show up because when we walk away from here, whether or not you can tell it, amen, there's a little earth. <laughs> there's a little altar material. There's a little altar material that's in our heart and our life and I'm gonna go back home and I'm gonna be a better father. I'm gonna be a better husband. I'm gonna be a better pastor because I just wanna keep coming back and I wanna keep coming back and I wanna keep coming back. I wonder if we can lift our hands across this auditorium and can we ask God, amen, ladies, why don't why don't you help us this morning? Why don't you help us this morning? Pray for some of these men. Amen. That God would touch them. Pray for the fathers in this house. Pray for the men in this house. Oh God, we need these spiritual priests in our home. We need them to show up and be present, God. Not just here for head count. But oh God, we need their voices, harmonious voices in prayer. We need their harmonious voices in praise. Oh God, we need them. We need them. We need them, we need them. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, bless our men. God, strengthen our men. God, establish something in their heart. Oh, help us to do more than just be breadwinners, God. Help us to be more than just breadwinners for our family and keep clothes on our back, shoes on our feet. But oh, God, may we rise to be the spiritual priests that you have called us to be. We're going to do that by just being there, by just being there. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.